My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, it is my pleasure to welcome Colin Curtis onto today's show. Uh, Colin, welcome. Good morning, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, it's a lovely morning as well, sun shining outside. And uh, just for those listeners that might not be familiar with Colin, um, he is the Managing Director at TBL Services. And that's a sustainability services business, which helps other companies understand why and how they ought to support the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I suppose that's probably the uh, the brief version of what it is that you do, Colin. So perhaps you could expand upon that for us. Thanks, Scott. That was a lovely, succinct version of uh, what we do, actually. So thank you very much. So. Yeah, the, the slightly longer version of what we do is we help businesses understand why and how to be sustainable. I think in, in our experience, or in my experience personally, I've never met a single person who doesn't want to go and do the right thing in business. They want to go and help make their business more environmentally friendly. They want to be personally more environmentally friendly. And they want their business to be more socially responsible. But um um, controversially, I'm firmly of the belief that people working in sustainability create a huge amount of problems today because we make things overly complicated and slightly scary. So what we try and do is to go and make it really simple for people to understand what to go and do and how they can build this into the, uh, the business. The TBL stands for triple bottom line, mm-hmm. which is about balancing profits with people and planet. So profits are something that every business person understands. And people and planets are things that every human being understands, but they're not very well integrated into business processes. So we help them to go and marry those things together. Fantastic. And um, how was it that you sort of moved into this particular line of work? What was the, the point where the penny dropped that you realised, you know, this is the pathway for me, this is the purpose, this is what I'm going to do? Because I'm right in saying that you worked for quite a long time in the uh, the tech industry before this, didn't you? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it's a kind of quite a weird route. I worked in the tech industry since really before the tech industry was a thing, pretty much. Uh, luckily, ended up working for a company called Dimension Data, who, unless you're into large tech companies, aren't exactly a household name, but they're, um, they are or were, or kind of still are, a 32,000-person business headquartered in South Africa with offices in about 70 countries. Um and they're part of uh, NTT, and are now branded as NTT. So NTT and Nippon Telephone and Telegraph. And they're the dominant telecommunications company in Japan. The world's second largest, I think, telecommunications company with about 320,000 employees, something like that. So my role working for them was uh, business development around video. So ironically, my job was going out talking to big banks and big companies about one day you'll be talking to each other via laptops. And uh, nobody believed me, crazily. Um, but I spent a lot of time with, um, with HSBC Bank in particular. So um, in the course of what we're doing, came across their sustainability team and was very fascinated by the fact that this enormous bank, very focused on profits, had a small group of people whose job it was to try and make them think about how to be more environmentally friendly and how to be more socially responsible. So during my time with them, I went on their leadership program, which was fantastic, numerous times. Um, that took people out into um, uh, in the UK, into White and Woods near Oxford, in some prehistoric woods, 
but they, they ran this course all around the world to go and take their leaders out to help them get involved in the actual science of climate change, get mm-hmm. them away from the offices, understand the facts about this, and you know, understand the fact that this was real. So I found this utterly fascinating. Um, I was bored with my role. Uh, was due to go and leave Dimension Data just because I'd become a little bit uh, fed up of it by that stage and wanted to change, and was offered the position uh, the position to go and head up sustainability within Dimension Data. So I spent six very happy years doing that, working across multiple countries and looking at basically how to make a big tech company think about how to do things differently and how technology could be used for good and how people can change the way they think and the way they do things. So that was really the kind of you know turning point was. Thank you very much to those guys at HSBC with our leadership program. Yeah, like I say, it's quite the uh, the journey that you've been on there, and I can see sort of how you've sort of moved through sort of the uh, the corporate world, let's say, into the sustainability field, and how that's kind of been the springboard for you to go and start sort of your own business, um, which is championing sustainability. And I think it's fair to say that. It's important in a variety of different ways in business now, isn't it? And the reason why I say that is the fact that um, obviously looking after the planet and making sure that we address the climate emergency is a number one priority. But secondly, when you're thinking about the essentials of starting a business and running a successful business, cash flow is one of the, uh, the key facets. Cash is king. And Given what's happened since the pandemic, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that we've seen a shift in consumer spending habits. They're a lot more sort of purpose aligned now. And that's the case for employees as well, isn't it? I mean, we've seen a lot of quiet quitting, a lot of talk about this great resignation that's been going on since the pandemic. And people are far more sort of acutely aware of purpose. Why am I here? Am I working for the right business? Is it sort of prioritizing the right things? So, if you are not actually as a business showing that you have sustainability at the heart of what you're doing, you're going to lose out from the consumer perspective, but you're probably also going to be losing uh, some of that talent that's within, aren't you? And you're going to see an exodus of maybe some of those people that uh, that work for you. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's fundamental to us as human beings. You know, we, we talk about business leaders and we talk about employees and customers, you know, but at the end of the day, we're all humans. And every single one of us is genetically programmed to go and care about the natural world and to go and care about each other. And you're right, the pandemic was a big wake-up call. You know, if there were there were so many negatives with the pandemic, but if we were to take positives from it, the awareness that came out the back of that, I think, as we realized we're all human mm. and climate change went from being this kind of somewhat out there existential threat to when we're faced with a somewhat out there existential threat, it made us all start to worry about climate change and it was a leveler. We all started to go and think, hang on a moment, the systems that we take for granted are somewhat fragile. We maybe need to go and look after what's important. So a huge change in shifts and a huge change in personal attitudes, cultures, and business attitudes as well. But on those different levers you mentioned, that you know, cash is absolutely king of the business, and that's, that's the way a business works. But you do need to go and make sure employees are happy. But customers are so aware as well now. You know, we're finding that if you're a, if you're a business that looks after consumers, then consumers really care about this. If you're a business-to-business company, you probably find the businesses you deal with are starting to include this in tenders and requests for proposal and things. So it's it's starting to become, in, in some areas, maybe not quite yet, but it's starting to become almost difficult to do business, you know, unless you actually have a good focus on this. 
Exactly right. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot more businesses now sort of chasing after B Corp certification, isn't it? Because they want to show that, you know, they are prioritising these things and they're taking on board not necessarily all of the sustainable development goals, because I think it would be nigh impossible for one business to be able to do all of them, but take on a sort of subsection of them that is something that they can sort of realistically pull off and use to make a, a real difference. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I mean, those UN Sustainable Development Goals, we we put them in the centre of what we do on the basis they are pretty much the only agreed global action plan we've got. Mm. So, you know, whether they are perfect or not is, you know, definitely up for debate. Um, but they look good. They are simple to at least go to understand, at least at a high level. They're attractive. There's marketing behind them. So that helps with some of the communications of understanding at start. And we provide services to go and help people understand which of those goals are most relevant to their business. Mm. Because you're right, organizations can't equally support all 17. So we help them look at which ones are most relevant to their business models and where they can contribute the most to that. And B Corp certification is, uh, you know, that, that is a good way for organizations to go and look at actually understanding where they are getting a bit of an assessment as to, you know, what things they are doing well and what things they're not doing so well in their business, look at how to improve, you know, and then to go and get a badge and a certification to go and say that they, they've been on that journey, they've gone as far as they can, and they, they've kind of maybe met all the levels that, uh, that the B-Lab who provide the B-Course certification require. And I suppose it's a good way as well of making sure that you're avoiding that sort of pitfall of greenwashing as well, isn't it, where, you know, you might think that, you're doing things sustainably and you're running a carbon neutral business. But actually, when you look at what's embedded in some of the uh, the supply chain processes, you soon realise that that's actually not the reality of things. And th- there's a lot to think about, isn't there, when it comes to being a sustainable business? And it branches out far, far more than you were uh, than you might think it does. Are you right? There is such a huge amount. And, and this is where I firmly believe the sustainability profession, such as it is a profession, is, is actually at the root of most of these problems because we... We're really good at saying about what you know what businesses should do, uh, but not very good at saying about how they go about it. You know, so even the word sustainable is poorly defined. Mm. If you ask ten people what sustainability means, you'll get ten different answers. So the B certification at least is a tangible set of checks for organisations to go through. But if we are to make a better world, we need to make this process much much simpler. These terms easy to understand, and that takes. Companies like ours, but governments and everyone as well. I'm from Blackpool, and I have what I call my Blackpool pub test for everything we do, Mm. which is we need to make this stuff so simple you can chat about it in a pub in Blackpool and people not look at you like you've got two heads. And at the moment, while we start using terms like GHG, scope one, two, and three emissions, materiality, and things like that, it's just going to switch most people and businesses off. Mm. You know, it needs to be far clearer with a very clear set of steps to go through and the B certification is actually that that is a useful framework that does help with that. It's so important, isn't it, that we we decode sustainability for a lot of businesses because it is a very, very complex exercise. So you raise a really important point there. We need to really make sure that it is simple. Business leaders know what they're looking at when they're looking to become sustainable businesses. And they, they it's sort of dumbed down to the practical steps that a business can then go and take because when we think about sort of where carbon emissions might be embedded – like it's great of course sort of spreading the message that oh these are here you need to be considering this but then it's a different matter actually um 
having sit, sitting down with a business leader and actually discussing what action they can take to address that. So, as you say, simplifying it is so, 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 so very critical. And uh, if we don't do that, there'll be a lot of businesses out there that mean well and want to make a difference, but just don't know where to start with it all. Absolutely. And th- this is what we come across all the time is that, you know, I have never met a human being who doesn't want to go and do the right thing. And I've never met anybody in business who, you know, wakes up wanting to burn the world or cause problems. They mm. they all want to go and do it right, but they just, they're busy and they need to understand it. And there does need to be a, a clear set of steps. What we do is we have a five-step process. So, you know, first of all, it starts with looking at those UN sustainable development goals because, it is at least the only agreed action plan that covers everything that's not just climate, it's diversity, you know, and all these interrelated issues, but identifying which of those they can contribute the most to because that gives them focus. And then setting targets against them, then making commitments is the second stage. So looking at actually, now you said that you really care about, for example, responsible consumption and production and gender equality. Let's go and put a number against that. What is it you actually want to go and achieve? What are you committing to go and do? Are you willing to go out there publicly and say, we're going to go and do this? Then it's a question of taking action. But with those first two steps are absolutely key because until that's in place, then it's difficult to know where to focus. You know, it's such a broad issue. Do they look at gender? Do they look at biodiversity? Mm. Do they look at carbon? Do they look at waste? And, you know, with some clear targets, that gives people a bit of direction. Then it's about measuring it and then sharing. And with sharing these things, honesty is absolutely key as well, because I think there is such a concern about greenwashing, but sometimes that can have a negative result that I heard a term green hushing recently, which I quite like, Mm. which is a lot of organizations almost being scared to go and talk about what they're doing because they worry that because it's not perfect, people will, you know, will maybe kind of pull them up on it. Whereas in reality, the best way to go and do this is just be honest. You know, we're all human beings trying the best we can. So if they can go out there and say, this is what we're doing and almost invite criticisms, try and look at how they can go and improve, that tends to move people in the wrong directions. That's critical, isn't it? Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, as human beings, we aren't infallible, are we? We aren't perfect. Every single day is a school day, really. And we are just moving along, trying to do the best we can and trying to develop as best we can. And something that you mentioned there that's really important as well that I'd like to touch on is the uh, the gender equality thing. And the reason I mention that is because this has come up on the uh, on the programme before. And it's not just dumbing down gender equality to essentially a tip box exercise that you have a certain ratio of people working within your business. But it's that these people are actually also heard in their roles. And even when you have women on executive boards, for example, a lot of them are saying that maybe what they're telling their fellow uh, sort of peers and executives isn't necessarily taken as seriously as what would happen when one of their male counterparts essentially has the spotlight. I think that's very true. I mean, my my background's been in the tech industry since the late 1980s and the tech industry has been, um, has been and still is very male dominated. Mm. Um, It is not tremendously balanced at all. And there are some very, very well-meaning people in there you know, I, I've been lucky enough that I've met few examples of outright chauvinism. Um, but a lot of examples are ones where people really weren't quite understanding the implications of what they were doing. So, and to me, it's all about role models most of the time. But if you are, if you have a business that is largely male dominated, it makes it very daunting for a lot of women to go in. And if the people leading the business are all men as well, then a lot of those attitudes that we've developed culturally throughout time tend to go and flow down and that's that's you know that 
that does create an imbalance. A, a key moment for me was when I took on my first role in sustainability and dimension data. Mm. So I ended up reporting into a marketing team in South Africa, and I was the only guy in a very, very large team. So I'd gone from being, you know, in a largely male-dominated environment to a largely female-dominated environment and then worked closely with the HR team, who, again, were pretty much all female. So it made me realize what it's like for a lot of women to go and work in a male-dominated environment and how difficult that must actually feel. Um, made me realize that diversity is definitely not a tick-box exercise. It's just mm. good to go and get those range of views. And the key one to me was, you know, we talk about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion quite a lot. And almost it's become a bit of a buzzword within companies. But a colleague of mine pointed out that I really, something I really quite liked was that the focus is often on the diversity, but the important bit is inclusion. Yes. So all we want is for people just to go and feel included and feel like their voice is heard. And that's, that's really the bit we should be doing is trying to make sure that people actually feel wanted and respected. You know, and their views are important. Exactly right. And I suppose that also ties in with the uh, the well-being side of things as well, doesn't it? And we talked about, of course, how the kind of traps you can fall into to suffer an exodus of talent within your business. And I suppose putting well-being in terms of gender equality and inclusion there is important, but also by making sure that, you know, um, given the uh, the impact that we've had on the uh, the pand- that we've seen with the pandemic and how we've become more acutely aware of the importance of mental health in the workplace, I think it's important as leaders that we do sort of check up on that as well. And uh, what we've seen some businesses is also implementing to obviously demonstrate that they're uh, keeping that firmly at the forefront of their minds is sort of trialing four-day working weeks for instance as well and trying to sort of take the workload off some of their uh, some of their colleagues and that seems to be having a positive impact as well doesn't it yeah i agree so so we're doing a four-day working week and have been doing since june um um oddly i actually prefer to call it a three-day weekend rather than a four-day working week mm-hmm. um because I think the focus realistically is not so much on less work. It's, um, it's more on just more time off and more of a bit of a break. And I, I don't think I'm unusual in that, you know, honestly, a lot of this was driven by myself, you know, on the basis that I found that I was getting really, really busy and I would get to the weekend and then I had two days off and back on Monday and it didn't feel like it was enough. And I absolutely love my job. I, you know, 100% love what I do. But it does get really, really busy. So having a bit more time to go and detox and, you know, relax and do something else that's not just work and everything is, um, you know, is a great thing. And most people I spoke to said exactly the same, that the weekend goes so quick. Mm. And like most people in today's culture, I tend to go and spend time on my phone and on my iPad in the evenings, maybe more than I should do sometimes. And it's just part of the nature of work. I think particularly when you're dealing with, you know, companies around the world, you know, your working day stretches out. So I figured if it was going to be working a lot during the week, then why not just take an extra day off? Um, you know, and I thought that that would be so good. We've got a very young team and it'd be really good for them to go and start their working careers, realizing that work didn't have to be this kind of rat race of doing nine to five Monday to Friday and then working weekends afterwards. So just giving people a bit more time off to go and do the things they want to go and do, to catch up with family, you know, to go and get involved in some more hobbies and then come back to work 100% refreshed and giving it their focus seemed a great idea. So we've, we've been doing this for, uh, for about six months now. Um, and, and honestly, you know, the, the results have been great. Everybody seems to be loving it. 
and hopefully that continues as well and I think it'll be fantastic to see how over the year the next 12 months you're also working at TBL Colin and sort of helping businesses you know get on board with them addressing the climate emergency and doing what they can with the uh, the UN sustainable development goals and in the backdrop of course of uh, the uh, the COP27 climate summit this week we are recording this podcast on the 9th of November just for context uh, for the listeners um, it couldn't be more important and you know what Colin I'd actually love the opportunity in uh, future months to maybe even welcome you back onto the show and just see how things are all coming together thank you scott it's been a pleasure i really enjoyed the conversation likewise i really really enjoyed the uh, the discussion today as well um and uh, to everybody listening into the uh, the program today just to remind you if you are of course um, impassioned by the issues that we have discussed today you can leave a comment with us or ask a question via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us or you can also apply to be on the program yourself via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and bring your perspective directly to the discussion table um for now i do hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed hearing from myself your host scott challoner on today's episode of the Leaders Council podcast and my guest Colin Curtis from TBL Services. Until next time all, please do take care and goodbye.